Thank you so much. Good morning, folks. I didn't get around to say hi to everybody, but I'm happy to see you nonetheless. It is a big deal today. We, this, this week, we, we observed 20 years since 9-11, an event that, well, changed American history forever, and arguably, it's one of the events that has changed world history forever. Those who are around for 9-11 can usually remember where they were. I know exactly where I was. I was on my honeymoon with my wife. And who's here this morning? You know, she doesn't always get to come to the morning services. So if you can believe it, we celebrated 20 years this week. Um, that is, no one would believe me because you look at her and she looks like she's in her 20s. And uh, I promise she was not a child bride. That is not how we roll. This wasn't some weird arranged marriage thing. That's, that's not our deal. She's just incredibly well-preserved and also quite young. She's young and she looks even younger than she is. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm really thankful for her. She's, she's a blessing. <laughs> well, let me just say, age is something that slides along with you. What counts as old and what counts as young is entirely based on where you're at right now. I mean, old is always older than what you are. And young is like always, you know. I remember there was a time in my life where 30 sounded pretty old. Does not sound old anymore. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit at all. But anyway, we were, um, we were on the third day of our honeymoon. And we were sitting at breakfast. And a very loud phone conversation happened at the table next to us. And we uh, made, it way, made our way back to our hotel room and turned on the TV in time to see the second plane hit the buildings and the buildings fall on live TV. And it was just so surreal. If you remember those moments, it's just like, so, so is this happening? You know, this is just too much. It can't, it can't be. The world changed forever on that day. And it has continued to change, even though... For several generations now, um, it's not something that they knew firsthand. Anybody born after somewhere in the mid-90s has little or no direct memory of this event, and yet it still continues to impact all of our lives all the time. It's a different world than it was before and after 9-11. One thing that 9-11 did that we still feel today is to bring faith and patriotism to this stark crossroads. This is when I was first starting to preach. I remember well like how it seemed like everybody in America suddenly became both very patriotic and very religious for like two or three months, but still for a little while, faith and patriotism were right together and they they seemed to intertwine at least for a little while. It didn't last, but it it, uh, still, we still kind of feel those effects even now. In America, faith and patriotism have always overlapped a little bit from the very beginning. And sometimes they're treated as almost the same thing. But are they really? Now, let's suppose we lived somewhere else. Suppose we lived in a nation that uh, we're Christians, but the nation is officially a Muslim nation we'd probably feel a little differently about faith and patriotism then. You know, we'd, we might be able to see the contrast a little more there. 
at um, this 20-year anniversary of 9-11, it's probably a good time to talk about what happens at the crossroads of faith and patriotism and how we can be both a good citizen of heaven and a good citizen of our nation at the same time. So the text we are in today is one of my favorites. It's one that you'll often hear quoted around the 4th of July or around some patriotic part of the year. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. Some of y'all could quote this by heart. And uh, this is part of what the Lord spoke to King Solomon when the temple in Jerusalem was being dedicated. The, The Lord spoke to Solomon and said, when your nation gets in trouble, you can call on me. You can, and he specifically said, pray towards this place or pray in this place. And I think I think we don't necessarily have to be facing Jerusalem for our prayers to count. Certainly not in the New Testament era. But he, he said, if, if your nation is in distress, this is what you can do. It seems like a good verse for our time. So I'm going to read it here and I'm going to pray for us. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh, Father in heaven, may it be so. May it be so for our nation and for every nation this message reaches into. I pray you'll raise up your people to call upon your name like this. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, um, let's see what we can make of this. Take it a little bit of the time and, and talk our way through it. And maybe we'll agree on it all. Maybe we won't, but we'll still be friends by the end. Uh, I want us to see that God has given us a responsibility both to the kingdom of heaven and to our nation. And uh, one thing I want us to see today is that we should be, um, Jesus, our nation and all nations, need Jesus people to engage in the political process, but even more to engage in the spiritual process. Because I I believe the biggest answers for our country won't necessarily come through the government. They're going to come through God's people praying and working. So let's take that first part of the verse, and just one verse, but we're going to highlight each part one at a time. If my people who are called by my name. Who's the Lord talking to here? His people. The people called by his name. He doesn't specify a nation. He doesn't even say Israel here. That's interesting. He's talking to his people within whatever nation they happen to be. And we need to remember that God's people aren't limited to one nation or people group. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. I've been blessed to have some uh, Christian brothers in in, uh, I got a Christian brother in the Philippines that's in touch with me from time to time. He's a, he's a cool guy. He started a little church over there with nothing. You know, he and I kind of felt some kinship, you know, kind of started with just a small group of people with the heart. Um, got a, a pastor friend in, in, uh, over in Liberia and a uh, pastor friend in Zimbabwe. Man, there's everywhere. There's Christians everywhere. So it's, it's not like it's just an American thing. And I want you to know that when you take part in Recreate and you support this ministry and you're involved in this ministry, you're part of something that reaches worldwide. This podcast goes out all over the world. Anywhere they can get the internet, they can hear what Recreate Church is doing. 
And so far as I know, we're in like all the continents except for Antarctica. And I don't know if we picked up Australia yet. But if you know anybody in Australia, let them know. Hey, that, huh? Yeah, they do. Australia's going through a lot right now. We need to pray for them. Um, so being a citizen of an earthly nation and being a citizen of heaven isn't the same thing, even if it is a nation predominantly populated by people who would identify as Christians. You know, and that's true of America. Uh, being an American, being a Christian is not the same thing. Um, not every Christian is American, and certainly not every American is a Christian. What a different nation it would be if everybody loved Jesus and was trying to serve him and trying to do the right thing, or if even the people who claim to know Jesus would just live for Jesus. It would change our country. America was founded predominantly by people with a worldview informed by the New Testament, with the kind of freedoms that are rooted in the New Testament, religious freedom and, and, and personal liberty and valuing every human life. The founding fathers acknowledged that their ideas of freedom came from the Bible and that they work best in the context of a, of a people whose values and morals are based on the Bible. So there's no question that America is a nation whose design was greatly influenced by the Christian faith. However, if we ask if America is all that Christian in like day-to-day practical behavior and, and functioning, well, hmm, no, not so much. It, when you look around, does it seem like everybody you meet loves Jesus and is on board? <laughs> or no, no, not really. America's always been a mixed multitude when it comes to spiritual life. I need to turn off a mic here real quick. Hold on. There we go. That's the ringing sound. America's always been of a, a bit of a mixed multitude when it comes to spiritual life. Um, interestingly, our, our founding documents you know, say things like, all men are created equal by God and and at the same time, say, well, some men are property. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So we've, we've always had some things that weren't quite right. There's always going to be some things about our nation and our culture that won't line up with our values, things we won't be able to support, right? That makes sense. I mean, you can look around and you see some things going on, some policies in the government probably that don't seem to line up with what you understand to be the values of the Bible. That's not that hard. And I don't care what your political stripe is, you find some stuff that you feel like isn't right, that doesn't line up. And yet, we should want the best for our nation. Why? Because we got to live here. I mean, there's that. There is that. I mean, if you're on a ship and you got to stay on this ship, you kind of want the ship to stay afloat, am I right? We don't want it to sink. And our, our kids have to grow up in this world. We want what's best for America. Our kids, our grandkids, people we care about, we want things to be good. So Second Chronicles 7.14 appeals to us, not first as citizens of an earthly nation, but as the people called by God's name to intercede for the land in which we live. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to intercede for this land because America does have a lot of problems, but still, it is the paradigm of freedom in the world. 
People are still wanting to get to America. We want this to be the place that it was envisioned to be. We want it to work through its problems and, and have better days ahead. I'm kind of worried for our nation, and I think we ought to pray. So we've gotten down to the second part. If the people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That one might be tough. That one might be tough. Humility is, is never easy, like true humility. I don't mean like beating yourself up humility, but true humility is kind of tough any day. And it might be kind of tough. It's historically in America been tough for Jesus' people to be humble because of the, so much of the involvement of Christian faith in the founding of the nation. We've always kind of had a, a favored position. You know, kind of been maybe, if not the favorite kid, you know, we've been had a good position, a position of, of influence. We've had some leverage historically. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. People of faith can have a big impact when they speak up and vote their conscience and, and, and stand up on the issues. Failure to participate in, and failure to let our spiritual values guide our participation well, that's caused some problems through the years. But of course, the historic ability to influence directly politically has had some unintended consequences. We can get used to the idea that we can leverage the political process to create spiritual change. But it doesn't actually work that way. You can't, you can't make laws that make people follow Jesus. We're going to have to, we need to make some laws that reflect values but we need to do more than just make laws we need to change lives you see uh, we've gotten so used to the idea of relying on the political process that we've neglected the spiritual process we don't want to grow weak in our spiritual power our, our spiritual founding fathers you know our spiritual founding fathers i'm not talking about you know thomas jefferson and alexander hamilton and all the other people in that musical and in your history books uh, some people know them from the musical more now our spiritual founding fathers were the apostles and the early church. And they lived in a world where they had no political power at all. They had no right to vote. They had no right to speak. They had no right to lobby or assemble or anything. And yet they turned the world upside down. So you don't have to have a bunch of political power when you got Holy Spirit power. You see, the more these folks were persecuted by the system, the more the church reached people and grew uh, they knew what we seem to have forgotten sometimes, that the weapons of our warfare are not earthly, but are spiritual. And they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. You want to see some strongholds pulled down in our country? You know of some strongholds that need to be pulled down? Man, we're going to have to do some hard praying and use some spiritual weapons. So, followers of Jesus have always been the underdogs. But our greatest power comes from our trust in the Lord. And uh, we're going to have to be humble before him. So let's get down. We'll see if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. If the Lord has put you in a position to participate in steering the country, you better do it. You know, this, this podcast goes out to places where they don't have the right to vote, especially if you're a Christian. You realize it is some element of what we're doing today is illegal in about one out of four countries in the world. You got a Bible? That's illegal in a lot of places. You openly witness about Jesus? That's illegal in some places. About one out of four countries, it's illegal to do what we're doing. And yet God has given us the privilege of doing it. 
God has given us the privilege of being in a country where we can vote, where we can speak up. And you absolutely should. If he's given you the wisdom and influence to run for office, run for office. I want to see some more Jesus people up in there. That would be nice. But let us not forget that the first and most important way to influence a nation is to pray and seek his face. Pray and seek his face. We've got to be careful not to be caught up in the machine. Our, our nation needs Jesus people to engage in the political process, yes, but even more engage in the spiritual process. Political power will not achieve spiritual ends. If you look in history, every time Christianity thinks it will use political power to, make, to reach spiritual goals, it blows up. It blows up every time. Whatever short-term successes it might be achieved in the end, politics always ends up manipulating faith. The church gets sucked into the machine, and we end up in a position of, you know, having to go along with things that we don't feel good about and don't feel like we can defend. So um, here's what I want us to do. Absolutely participate in the rights of a citizen, but pray and seek his face above all things. The Apostle Paul, remember that guy wrote about half the New Testament? He lived and worked in the world that was ran by the Roman government, the Roman Empire. You ever read anything about the Roman Empire? They were not the good guys. They were a rough bunch. They were far more oppressive and corrupt and morally bankrupt than America has managed so far. Although, if you do look at the history of the two nations, kind of side by side, there's some disturbing parallels that we might be going the same way. But the Roman government openly persecuted Christians and even eventually executed the Apostle Paul, and yet we don't see him in the New Testament saying the Christians should rise up and, and have a coup. That's kind of surprising to me. He does say that Christians should pray for the people in power. To which we would say, what if they're bad? What if they're bad people. I'm not going to take a poll here, but do you, do you know any politicians who you, if you're going to pray for them, your prayers, you'd have to work really hard to pray nice things. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I don't care what your stripe is. There's probably some politicians that rub you the wrong way. There's probably a lot of them that rub me the wrong way of, of every description. Um, and yet, Paul doesn't qualify it. What if they're bad, we say to Paul. Paul said, Pray for him anyway. You know where Paul was when he wrote that command to pray for kings and those in power? First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You know where he was sitting right then? He was in prison. He was in prison. He was put in prison by the very government. He was praying for the government that put him in prison wrongly. Right then. So, yep, I don't think we have any excuse. We need to pray. The, the Apostle Paul understood what it meant to be a political underdog, yet a spiritual giant. He wasn't trying to overthrow a system politically, but he was subverting it spiritually, and it worked. It worked. Guess what? Rome's gone. The Church of Jesus Christ is still here, y'all. Still here. This is our calling, to intercede for our nation even if we greatly disagree with what our nation's doing. Actually, the more that you disagree with what's going on, the harder you ought to be praying. 
So we've gotten down further in the verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Oh, now we're getting somewhere, preacher. Turn from their wicked ways. That's right. America needs to turn from its wicked ways. Turn back to God. And that is true enough. Let's get real about why nations get into messes sometimes. Hey, not every bad thing that happens is because of some specific sin. I get that. But if, if God was to take the wickedness of a nation into account, ooh, we might be in trouble. But here's the most difficult truth. I mean, we like to say, man, people need to repent. People need to get right. People around here, I'm telling you what, they need, to, they need, they need Jesus. They need Jesus so bad. You ever met anybody that needs Jesus? You ever drove behind anybody who needs Jesus? Who needs Jesus to push a gas pedal for them and get on? Get on down the road? Yeah. Everybody you've ever met needs Jesus, including us. See, here's the thing. When the Lord says, turn from their wicked ways, he's not talking just to the unbelievers. He's not talking just to the general population. Who did he start out talking to in this verse? If my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways. Ouch. We say the nation needs to turn back to God. That's true. But we miss that it starts with the household of God. We miss That it begins when God's people are truly heartbroken over their own sins and the sins of the nation. That's when things begin to change. See, we think of revival as something that starts with people on the outside. When unbelievers get with the program and get in church and all that. But revival always and forever begins when a remnant of real believers get heartbroken over their own spiritual poverty and cry out to God, that's when revival starts. If, if you're waiting for the people whose life is a total mess to get with it, man, don't wait around. It needs to start right here, right now, with God's family. Until we're willing to do that, all of our complaining about how immoral the nation is is just complaining. We got down to the end of the verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Let's catch the nuance here. When God's people seek his face, and repent, he will bless the land in which they live. He says he'll heal their land. And if you read the context of the passage, it, it speaks of it in national terms. It's not like, hey, if God will just bless the acreage our house is on. But no, it, it's speaking of it nationally. Uh, when God says, um, he talks about national disasters and national distress, and he gives as a remedy for that spiritual awakening above the people called by his own name. So here we are, we're at the crossroads of faith and patriotism, and we find this truth that if we really want good things for our nation, maybe the most powerful thing we can do is humble ourselves and pray and seek his face 
and turn from our wicked ways. That's when he says he will bring healing. Our nation needs Jesus' people to engage in the political process, but even more, to engage in the spiritual process, to pray for these people. Pray for them. What if they're bad? What if they're incompetent? Well, the badder and more incompetent they are, the more they need your prayers. We're on this boat, y'all. I'll say this. I don't care who is president. You better be praying for him or her. Whatever letter they got by their name and whatever elephant represents, or whatever elephant or donkey or animal represents their party, you need to be praying for them. Because if someone is piloting the ship, you want them to have a good day. All right? Because we own this thing. And that goes out, as this goes out all over the world in the podcast and YouTube, that goes for whatever nation you're in, even if it's a mess. And there's some nations that are in a lot worse mess right now than America need our prayers very badly. So be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. So here's what we need to do. At the 20th anniversary of 9-11, while we're thinking about these things, let's pray our way through these promises. I'm a big believer in praying through scriptures. Have you ever done this before? Like really, like take a scripture because God's true to his word, right? There for a long time, I was praying through the armor of God every day because I felt like I was under spiritual attack. And, you know, that's something, that's a good idea. But we're going to pray through this verse just like we believe it. Guess what? A bunch of Jesus people acting like we believe the Bible. That'd be weird. Let's do it anyway. So here's what we're going to do. You just put that last slide up, Ethan. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray along with me now, okay? Just sort of pray in agreement and pray as the Lord leads. Let's pray for our nation. Our Father in heaven, we are your people. We are called by your name. And by your grace, we want to humble ourselves before you. Lord, we confess that we've been so used to wielding earthly power that we've forgotten what it truly means to pray down strongholds with spiritual weapons. So right now, Lord, we seek your face. Father, we beg for a new and deeper understanding of who you are. I pray you'll increase our love and our commitment to Jesus and and the truth that he's taught us. Lord, I confess on our behalf that we've often pointed out the wicked ways of others and of the culture around us without understanding our own need to repent. Father, God, please show us the sin in our lives and give us the will to forsake it and turn. Lord, you say if your people do these things, if they humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, you say if we do these things, you will hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. And Father, we pray you'll give us the grace to do those things now. And we pray, we praise you in advance for the answers and the healing you're going to send. Lord, for America for all the nations of the world, we intercede in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We see often the signs, never forget when it comes to 9-11. I think that's good. 
But as we never forget what happened, let's never forget to pray. That's where the greatest power is. That's where the greatest power is. Thank you for being a part of this. I'm really thankful for uh, Donnie and Chad up here making some music with us today. It takes a lot of guts to get up here and do that. I think they did a great job. Um, Be sure to uh, visit the table back here and uh, sign up for those Bible studies, you know, that uh, Ephesians, man, Ephesians is so good. And I think you'll find that the crown financial stuff is top notch and anybody can learn something from that. Also, there's a signups back there to work with the kids ministry, which we need big time. All right, folks, that's all we got for today. God bless you all so much. And I hope you have a great week. Take care.